Good morning. We're going to continue our study of the red letters of Jesus and the I am statements of Jesus with a statement that Jesus makes to his disciples about abiding. And that's what we want to focus on today, the word abide, as we turn over to John chapter 15 and we think about the I am statement of Jesus that we find there. Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious and glorious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time of study and we ask your blessing upon it. It will be a benefit and a blessing to us. We ask you to bless our study of the red letters of Jesus and we thank you so much for them for all the wonderful blessings they bring to our lives and we pray that we will come to know Jesus better and to love him more and to obey him better by the study of the red letters and we thank you for the I am statements that teach us about the identity of Jesus bless us today Heavenly Father in our studies in Christ's name we pray amen when you hear the word abide what comes to mind we don't use that word much anymore, and so the only context that we may have are from the songs that we sing. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. But that's what we want to look at today. What does the word abide mean, and how important it is, is it for Christians to understand where they are to abide and how they are to abide? The word Abide permeates one of the I am statements of Jesus, the one we find in John chapter 15. So I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles over there. And as you're turning over there, I want us to focus our minds and our hearts for a little bit here on the purpose and the meaning of the word abide in this statements that Jesus makes. Now, to give some context, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And they are partaking of the Passover on the night before his death. You may recall in John chapter 13 that Jesus, after the supper, he sets aside his garments and he wraps himself in a towel. And he washes his disciples' feet and he's giving them there the example of service. He tells them there that a servant is not greater than his master's, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Verse 16. But he wants them to know that this is the example that they are to, to follow with each other. He then begins to pour out his heart to his apostles and to tell them the things that he needs them to know before he, his death upon the cross and before his burial and his, his resurrection and ascension in heaven. One of the things he gives them is a new command. He says in John chapter 13, verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What a wonderful command that he gives there. Now we recall then in John chapter 14 that he makes a very powerful statement about his identity. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You recall that Thomas asked the question, Lord, how can we know where you're going? How can we know the way? And Jesus makes that another powerful I am statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He would continue to reveal the Father's will to his apostles and he would give them the promise of a helper he says in verse 16 
of John 14, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And he continues to make this promise of the helper who will guide them into all truth and will reveal all truth to them. And in the middle of this heartfelt conversation with his apostles, Jesus makes a powerful I am statement, one that we want to focus on today as we think about the word abide. He says in chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. Jesus here identifies himself as the vine. And we're going to see how powerful it is for us as Christians, as much as it was for the disciples in the days of that Jesus spoke it, to abide in the vine. That's what we want to think about today. Now, in this analogy, Jesus is going to give some pertinent information to us about discipleship. And he's going, to, he's going to lay this analogy out in a way we can understand, almost in a parable, as he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Later on in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And so we identify here the concepts of the vine and the branches first thing we notice about the vine is that the vine is the source for the branches. The vine is the source for the support and the position and the sustenance, the nourishment, and the spiritual strength for the branches. There's only one vine. There can't be multiple vines to feed the branches. There can only be one vine. And Jesus here identifies himself as the, the, as the vine. We also see that there are branches, and the branches are the product of the vine. They come off the vine. They are fed by the vine. They are supported by the vine. They are positioned appropriately by the vine. And these, van- these branches have a purpose. Their purpose is to bear fruit. Now, you'll notice here that these branches are individuals. They're not congregations. They're not groups. They're not denominations. They're individuals. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Verse 6 says, and if anyone does not abide in me. And so we see there that he's speaking here about individuals. He's speaking about the individual apostles, the disciples that would come after them, and even Christians today, that we are all individually branches of the vine. And we also see the branches do not exist spiritually apart from the vine. They draw all of their support and their sustenance from the vine. And we also see in this analogy that there is a vine dresser. And the vine dresser has a very important job. He is the one who gives purpose to the vine and the branches. He plants the vine and he dresses the vine. He cuts away the dead branches, the branches that don't produce fruit, and he prunes those branches that are producing fruit so they will produce more. He is glorified when the branches bear fruit. And so we see the vine dresser is the purpose for the vines. And so with this context then, we want to drill in and we want to look at this word abide. And the first thing we want to notice is the word abide is used at least 11 times in the first 17 verses. And so if, it, if it's used that often, it must be important for us to understand what it means to abide. The Greek word here that's translated abide or remain means to stay in a given place, state, relation or expectancy and so a synonym might be to continue or to dwell or to endure or to stay in one place 
And so if Jesus says that it's important for us to continue, to endure, to stay, to abide, that's something we want to pay attention to. And so what we want to do here is we want to take the statement of Jesus, this analogy of the vine and the branches, and we want to see some characteristics of abiding that have importance to us today. And the first thing we want to notice is that abiding is about location. Verse 2, every branch in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me. And the same thing in verse 4, abide in me. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me. We understand from this these statements that there is a residency in which we are to stay. And that residency is in the vine, in Jesus. Well, how do we do that? How do we abide in the vine? And we understand this by the concepts that we see portrayed for us in places such as 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as Paul is writing there to the the Christians in Corinth, he says these words, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And we then begin to understand what it means to abide in Christ. It means to be in Him. And we have characteristics then of or blessings that come from being in Christ. In Corinth, he reminds them that they have been sanctified. They have been set apart. They've been made holy for the service of God in Christ Jesus. You go on to the book of Ephesians, and Paul addresses the book of Ephesians to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. And so we see a characteristic of faithfulness that comes with abiding in Christ. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a little bit, but I want you to just put a place marker here. Abiding means that we stay in a location. And Jesus says in John chapter 15 that we are to abide in the vine. The branches are to stay connected to the vine. That's important for us to remember. And in fact, Jesus here emphasizes the fact that there is a necessity of abiding in the vine. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And so we see that there's a necessity to abide in the vine or we can be taken away. Notice the benefit of staying in the vine. The necessity of staying in the vine. Verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so we see of necessity that we have to remain in the vine if we want to do good things, if we want to live righteous life, if we want to be acceptable and pleasing to God, we have to abide in Christ. Notice verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. And so there is a necessity that the branches stay within the vine, that stay connected to the vine. And so, so far we've seen that abiding means that there's a location that we stay. There is a necessity that we stay there. But is there evidence? Is there evidence in our lives that we abide in Christ? Now, Jesus says that there is. That there is evidence by the fruit that we produce. We remember in verse 2 
that the differentiation between the branches that abide in Christ and the branches that are cut off is the fruit that they produce. He says in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We'll come back to the pruning in just a little bit. But I want you to notice here that there is evidence of abiding in Christ. It is The evidence is the fruit that is born. Verse 5 says this again, He who abides in me and I am him bears much fruit. Verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And so we understand here that there is evidence of being in Christ. What's the evidence of us being in Christ today? What does that look like in our lives today? Are we bearing fruit for God? And is that evidence that we're in the vine, that we're connected to the vine? Because we, we take it for granted that we might be a part of the body of Christ, that we might be uh, a partaker of Christ. And yet Christ says that if we don't bear fruit, that we're not a part of the vine. I think it's important for us to think about and to let our minds wrap around the idea that abiding in Christ means that we bear fruit. What fruit have you borne this week? Think about this last week. What fruit did we bear? What good work did we do? What glory did we bring to the Father? We'll see that in just a little bit too. But that's another condition of being in the, in the vine. But it's important for us to remember that we have to abide in Christ of necessity in order to bear fruit. And the fruit is the evidence of us being connected to the vine. But what about this pruning? What's the evidence of us being pruned by the Father? You think about passages that speak about how we might be pruned. And they don't necessarily use the word prune, but they'll use the words trials, temptation, overcoming. Let's look at a few passages that speak to us about how we bear fruit for God and the evidence of the pruning that the Father does toward Christians. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, why would we do that? Why would we be joyous over falling into various trials? Here's the reason. Because the Father prunes us in those situations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces... What's produce? That's the product of growth right that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask of God who gives all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind you want to see evidence of pruning in your life Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and grow patience in your life. Peter says something similar over in his first epistle. In verse 6 he says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. There's that various trials again, right? And we are grieved by the trials, but notice what the trial produces. <clears throat> that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, 
may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that through these various trials, through this pruning, that God's going to produce things in us. He's going to produce patience. He's going to produce wisdom. He's going to produce genuineness of faith. And Peter speaks about another blessing that comes through trials. Chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. There's that rejoicing again. Christians, we have to learn to rejoice in the face of trials if we want to bear fruit for God. I know that's a challenge for us. It's a great uphill battle for us. But if we are going to abide in Christ and we're going to bear fruit for the vine dresser, we have to learn to rejoice in trials. Verse 13, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Let's skip on down here to verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God. There's the pruning that the vine dresser does to those branches that bear fruit. You know why he prunes them? Because it's according to his will, so that they may bear more fruit. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. We learn from these passages that the pruning of a wise vine dresser produces patience, genuineness of faith, and good works. And so we've learned so far that abiding has a location, it has necessity, it has evidence. We also learn that there are conditions that allow a branch to abide in the vine. Notice what Jesus says in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And so we see here that there is a condition of the word abiding in the vine. That the word has to remain in the vine in order to produce the fruit. Look at John chapter 15 verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, he's going to explain to us what it means to abide in his love in the next verse. Notice what verse 10 says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You want to abide in the vine? Let Jesus' words abide in you. You want to abide in his love? Keep the commandments. That's what we see Jesus saying here. That we have to let His Word abide in our hearts and we have to obey it. We have to live it out in our lives. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that you, my joy may remain in you. That's that word of remain is the same as the word abide in the Greek. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So if you want to abide in the vine, you let Jesus' Word abide in you. If you want to abide in His love, you keep His commandments. And His commandments are that you love one another. You see how this is all building on itself here to show us that the condition of abiding in the vine is that we love one another. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Verse 17, these things I command you, that you love one another. And so there's a condition to abiding in the vine. And that is that we abide in his word. That we keep his word. That we demonstrate his word by loving one another. And finally, we learn that there are blessings from abiding in the vine. I hope you've already gathered those as we've gone through this lesson. But there are great blessings from abiding in the vine. First off, we see that there's a pruning of the Father, that the Father cares for us, and so He prunes us. And we might look at that and say, well, that's not really a blessing. That seems like a trial, right? That's a, that's a... But the purpose is so that we can bear more fruit, that we can be more fruitful. Verse 7 teaches us that we have prayer as a blessing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I also love you. Abide in my love. And so we learn that when we abide in the vine, we abide in the love of God. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so then we see that there are great blessings that come from abiding in Christ. Now this draws our mind back to Ephesians 1. You remember in Ephesians 1 that there are, there's a great list of the blessings that come from being in Christ. Now we've already seen in verse 1 of chapter 1 of Ephesians that the saints are faithful in Christ. But we recall the theme statement really for the whole book of Ephesians is found in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You want to have spiritual blessings? They're in the vine. They are found abiding in Christ. Verse 7 says that we have redemption, that we have forgiveness of sins. Verse 11 says that we've obtained an inheritance. And we can go on down through the chapter. But I want to skip down to the end of the chapter because I want to point out here where these blessings are specifically and technically reside what does it mean to abide in christ and i think we've already probably covered it to this point that you understand what we're talking about here but the phrase in christ is synonymous with another phrase two phrases that are found in the bible look at verse 22 of ephesians chapter 1 and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You want to abide in the vine? You've got to abide in the body of Christ. You want to abide in the body of Christ? You've got to abide in the church. If we want to have all these blessings, if we want to bear fruit, if we want to receive the pruning of the vine dresser, if we want to enjoy the love of Christ, we have to abide in the church. We have to be a part of the church where Jesus bought with His blood. And in doing so, then Jesus is going to call us His friend and the Father is going to be glorified. Look at, look at back at John chapter 15. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. 
How are you going to bear fruit? you got to be in the vine. So you will be my disciples. You remember in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 40, Jesus speaks about his disciples being the light of the world. He said, A city that's set on a hill can't not be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Then he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know how we glorify the Father? By doing the will of the Father. And Jesus says we do that by abiding in Him. And it's through Him that we do these good works. Matter of fact, He says in John chapter 15 that apart from Him we can do nothing. We can do nothing that brings glory to the Father. Jesus' I am the vine statement teaches us that we can abide in the spiritual presence and blessings of the Father and the Son. As the vine positions and feeds and supports and sustains us, we bring glory to the Father through the fruit we bear for Him. What a wonderful blessing it is to have a place to abide now and throughout eternity. Praise God for the vine. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the vine. We thank you for the wonderful statement of Jesus here that reminds us that we have a place to abide, that we have a home in the body of Christ, and we pray we never take that for granted. We ask you to bless us today. Bless those who are um, struggling with sickness and with cares and concerns. We pray your blessing upon them that they can be comforted. And we pray for those who are outside of the body of Christ who want to be a part of the vine. Help them, Heavenly Father, and help us to be a, a helper to them to, to obey the gospel and become a Christian. Forgive us when we do wrong and help us to be forgiving of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.